Rennie Show is brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Wheat from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie postgame show after a Jets victory. That's right. It seems like it's been a while. I guess it hasn't been too long. Full week. The last time it happened was on Hockey Night in Canada. So uh, all you people saying it doesn't happen on uh, on Sportsnet broadcasts, you should know in the last 12 games, the Jets have three victories. All three of those victories came on a Sportsnet broadcast. Fun facts that you learn when you listen to the Kenny and Rennie show. Um, game tonight uh, in which um, not sure how you take a game like that. I think on, at this stage, we are definitely in the territory of you take a win, no matter how you can get it. There's a lot of things that the Jets did in this game that I like. A lot of things they did that I didn't like. Talk to Mark Shifley after that game. Um, and I think he was of the same opinion from the sounds of the answers that he gave in our post game. Thought he gave the Florida Panthers way too much space out there. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets did on that night. You know, another game in which the Winnipeg Jets have a, a lead that they blow in the third period, able to lock it down this time. Uh, and it, it's one of those games that if you're going to tackle it, um, you kind of have to look at the good and you have to look at the warts. And I think there's just so much good out of this compared to where they'd come from and so much bad that it's really a kind of game that I walk away from this. And to me, this game is a toss up, right? Like I don't think the Jets won the deserve to win a meter in this game. I don't think it was very close, but that said, they just came off of a game that they lost where they broke the needle off in their direction for the deserve to win a meter. Um, if you're looking for signs that this team is going to do well going forward, and you should, that's something you should be looking forward to. Because if you take a look at this stretch of games where the Jets have struggled so much, we go back to that Rangers game in which they, you know, Connor Hellebuck goalied them in that team. That That's not a winning formula, and they didn't win after that. They didn't win for a number of games after that, and they didn't look good for a number of games after that, right? And then last Saturday against the uh, um uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Well, yeah, they run into a pretty weak goaltender, but they started doing some things that kind of pointed them in the right direction. Uh, and it it results in at least a point in their next game, although they lose to a team that people aren't happy with them losing to. And it leads to them putting up a good performance in their next game, even though they got a loss. So I lo- there's way, different ways to look at this. You can say the Winnipeg Jets over the last 12 games, They've only won three games, but you could also look at the stretch of their last four games and say they've taken five of a possible eight points. That's not that bad. If you think about it, five, if if they you went down the stretch and the Jets took five points out of every eight, uh, every eight possible points, if every four games they earn five points, I think that's going to get them into the playoffs. So yeah, from what we've seen from the Calgary Flames here down the stretch and from what we've seen and what I expect to happen to the Nashville Predators down the stretch, that's enough, right? So if you take a look at what's happened with the Jets over the last little while, A, they've got a coach who's happy with the way their game is shaping up and rounding up. So you've got that. B, they're starting to produce points. Last four games, enough points to get you over that playoff line. So a lot to be happy about. And tonight, 
The thing I think they have to be the most happy about is that power play. Their anemic power play finally picks itself up, finally starts going. Now, we do know that the Florida Panthers going into this game, one of the storylines is they're not a team that's very disciplined. They're also not a team that kills very well. Well, the Jets make them pay. They get two goals, uh, or excuse me, they score on two of three power plays. Uh, gets them going, gets them into that game. You have to be happy with that. I think you have to be happy with the fact that you've got a player like Vlasov Nemeskov chipping in the way that he did. I thought that second line looked as good as it has for an extremely long time. There's a conversation that has to be had about how to use Vladislav Nemesikov when Pierre Dubois returns to this lineup, uh, because boy, oh boy, has he become something conversation that has to be had on, you know, the disappointment you all felt at the trade deadline uh, and the moves that Kevin Sheveldayoff made and how those moves are affecting this team at this stage. You have to say it's happening and it's doing uh it's doing a big part of the job. I don't think a lot of people expected it will do, would do. Um, important tonight to get Mark Shifley uh, and the Stars on this team going. A goal by Nick Ehlers. He'd had one goal in his previous 18 games. Getting these guys off the schneid is probably going to help considering the last couple of games it seemed like they were snake bit and they couldn't score. Getting them back and feeling right I think are the kind of things that, that you want moving forward. Uh, and and you know what? I think surviving, just surviving after the Florida Panthers tie up that game, Jets are getting caved in down the stretch, no doubt about it. Um, and that's we'll discuss that in the negative side of what happened in this game. But the fact that they survive it, I thought that that you know the fact that they survived it and went into overtime and were able to get caved in for the better part of the overtime but kind of keep their wits about them, get the puck, turn things, head it in the other direction, and capitalize. These are the kind of points that are going to get you over the playoff line. So it was important for the Jets to get it here tonight, and you had it against a team that was fighting extremely hard. So give them all the credit uh, that they deserve for that. Let's also give them all the criticism that they deserve. Uh, this is a game in which the Jets, for the second straight game, played – against a team that was coming off uh, a back-to-back situation in which they were taken to overtime. Now, the Florida Panthers was not quite as taxed as the Minnesota, <coughs> excuse me, the Minnesota Wild were because the Minnesota Wild not only went to overtime, but then they had to hop on a plane and fly to Winnipeg. At least the Florida Panthers got to stay in their own building. But one of these two teams played last night. One of these teams grounded out and went to overtime, and one didn't. And the one that didn't got absolutely caved in on you know possession numbers on uh on shooting metrics on high danger scoring chance metrics everything like everything about this game other than the scoreboard tells you that the florida panthers should have won this game that's a bit of a problem that's a bit of a problem that the winnipeg jets are in a situation where when we're looking for signs of life and of health and them turning things around this is my by no means the winnipeg jets snapping their fingers heading in a different direction saying everything's fixed and they're moving on if this is a process of the winnipeg jets picking themselves back up and dusting themselves off after they fell and did a face plant and couldn't really get up this is them basically getting their shoulders off the ground and getting one foot up and one knee still to the ground because they got caved in for a good chunk of this game. Connor Hellebuck, no doubt, 
is a huge part of that victory, especially early on when the shots came, you know, fast and furious. A lot of you will say, well, I didn't think the shots were very good shots. The same. A lot of you said that the last time when they beat the Rangers in this manner. And then we found out that uh, no team had had as many slot shots against a goaltender in the entire um, NHL uh, this season. So, I mean, this is this is a game where there's great chances, glorious chances, glorious chances. If it's not for the um, Florida Panthers able to capitalize on two gaping nets in that game, this is probably a different story. And I think, you know, there seems to be a little bit of a push-pull in our chat room lately with people talking about Connor Hellebuck. Some people think he's the MVP. Some people think um, a little less. I'll say it like that. Um, this would have been one of those days where we would have talked about Connor Hellebuck you know, not being able to get the save that kept this team from making it over the finish line in this game. No doubt about that. But he gets the job done here tonight. I think he had a 917 save percentage or something like that. Good night for Connor Hellebuck. By no means does he walk in and shut everything down and take everything away from this. But I do think one of the things about the Winnipeg Jets putting themselves in this situation right now is that Going into this game, we asked Rick Bonus the plan with his goaltenders going forward. And the plan is that there is no plan. Like there were scheduled games that David Riddick were supposed to take over coming down the stretch uh, and for the vast majority of the season. That doesn't exist anymore. So there's a question mark right now. Who's going to be playing in that tomorrow? Now, I think it would be David Riddick, but once upon a time, it most definitely would have been David Riddick. Now, Tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Lightning, Brian Elliott started for the Lightning tonight so that it could be a goaltender's duel tomorrow night if that's what the Winnipeg Jets choose to do is Andre Vasilevsky will be in the net for the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. I've got a big question on whether or not it is going to be um, whether or not it is going to be Connor Hellebuck in net. Now, I think the plan all along, you know, I say there's a plan, there's no plan, but I think what Rick Bonus is trying to hold open is the idea that they're going to start Hellbuck whenever they can. This becomes the question. Can you, can you start Connor Hellebuck tomorrow after what his team put him through tonight? High forties in shots. Was he tested to the degree that he's going to be tired? Can you take that risk in a game tomorrow night that you've got a tired goaltender? Should you put, be putting in Riddick? No doubt. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, I've got my own opinions. I think there's too many shots here tonight. I think that you're putting Connor Hellebuck in a situation where over the last number of games uh, for some time now, we have not seen Connor Hellebuck at his absolute very best game-stealing self. Um, and I think it would be pretty hard for him to get into that mode to play tomorrow night after what had happened. But that's... That's what we're dealing with right now is it's the great unknown. Rick Bonus has moved into the era of this season where he's basically going to go with his gut at that time. Um, it's funny. I was walking out of the building with Mike Luck and Jamal Mayers, and they were kind of asking what what was going to happen. And they said, well, if they leave it up to Hellebuck, oh, Hellebuck will start. And I said, but that's the deal. Hellebuck always says that he wants to start every single game. He never says that he doesn't want to start. So if you leave it up to Connor Hellebuck, then he's going to play 82 games this season. I think 
There has to be an adult in the room. There has to be someone making that decision. That's the decision that falls to Rick Bonus for tomorrow night. Very interested to see the path that he decides to go down. That's my early take on what's going on here. This was, you've seen some grade A tap dancing from Rennie as he waits for Kenny to hop into the show. And that time has come. Here comes the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Kenny, my friend, doesn't seem like we get to do this very often anymore where the Jets win a game. So they walk out of this one. I got to tell you, I said I, I like it when you foreshadow as the host of a game and it plays out. That worked out for us as I suggested that this game should have the intensity of a playoff game in March. That's what I believe we saw on both sides of the ledger. Uh, what did you see that led to the Winnipeg Jets winning this game? Yeah, I mean, this was a back-to-the-find-away-under-any-means-necessary type of game. Uh, I don't think this was the template model for the Winnipeg Jets, but uh, they were able to dig a little deeper, uh, to borrow a phrase from our f- friends at the good folks at Homefield. It wasn't their best, there's no doubt, but they had to find a way. I mean, I think they were opportunistic, Sean, early on. Obviously, the... They were actually 10-8 for Florida, I think. So. Were they? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of scoring five chances, on five. scoring against. No, scoring it's high danger. Scoring against yeah. the 21-12 to uh, 12 is what yeah, they were. Yeah, 21-12. Yep, for sure. But the no. high dangers were 10-8 at, at five on five. So, I mean, but again, Florida got a lot of their damage done on the power play also. I mean, they had three power play goals. And um, you know, that was Dylan DeMello used the word their their penalty kill got wrecked in that game but I mean it's won them a lot of games this year and you know I'm guessing they'll find a way to get themselves back on track Uh, I thought that some of the Jets uh you know big guns came out you know sizzling I think Mark it's interesting I talked with Mark Scheifer this morning Sean and I know you talked to him after the game and you know he admitted that with Pierre-Luc Dubois out of the lineup he needed to put a little bit more on his shoulders and I don't just like the two goals that, that Mark Scheifele had. I, I've liked his game the last couple games, and I, I really liked the effort level that I saw in the last home game against uh, you know the, the Minnesota Wild. They thought there were a lot of defensive plays where Mark was really battling and there was great back pressure. And It's interesting. Mark, Mark said to me before the game, he knows when he's playing well, and he felt like he's had a nice stretch of games here. And The Jets need him too. I mean, Mark, Mark needs – this was one of those nights where Mark needed to put his stamp on the game – uh, we know that things didn't end well when it comes to uh, Mark Scheifele and, and Paul Maurice's relationship. So I'm guessing there was a little extra juice uh, in yep. the in the tank for him today, and you know he was involved physically. And you know, let's talk about that play also. I mean, I think it was a clean play. Like with Gustav Forsling, it was one of those that looked bad in real time because you thought there might have been a slew foot or something happening, but Mark got clean inside play. position with his leg. And all of a sudden, Forzing went to turn, and he lost his balance, and he just went flying. Uh, and I Clean think people forget. I think 
people people forget how strong like Mark's not a big hitter, but he's a big strong guy and and that was just an example of of him, you know, kind of exerting his will in a in a one-on-one battle and uh, I, I like the way that he played the game and obviously came through with the, the biggest goal of the night. But uh, I liked his game overall. In, the, in a game where the Jets needed him uh, to deliver, he got the job done, and, and it was impressive. Pardon me. Yeah, no, I agree. It was impressive uh, if we're talking about that. Um, I think people you know, people love to beat down on the refs when they've got the opportunity to do so. Um, this is one of those ones where you have to hand it to the refs. Um, Jamal Myers uh, made a perfect point about this. Uh, the refs handle that the perfect possible way because they go in and they say, maybe we missed something here, but uh, it looked like it was a huge, massive hit. So let's, but maybe it was nothing, right? So they say, okay, let's call it a five minute uh, major and then we can review it because this is either probably a catastrophic five minute major play or it's nothing. And right, they, exactly absolute right way went and reviewed it got it right in this situation i love the video of mark shifley just popping up off the bench and heading back like you know nothing had happened in that situation there even better um, i watched the ref go to him in the box and like mark mark was during the like the delay they were like they, he was waiting for them to show it he's like well what did i do right now what did i do and then the ref went over and he's like yeah you can leave now <laughs> you can go yeah. now sir and it wasn't because he was out of the game it was like no, no, just go to the bench and then go back onto the ice. So, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, no, no doubt it was. Um, it, I mean, uh, hey, again, I don't mind the, and I know that there doesn't need to be a fight after every single clean hit. But I like the response that you see from the Florida Panthers. That's hockey. A guy goes in. I don't think a lot of people see what happens there. They just see that it's disastrous. They want to make sure that if it is a cheap hit, they're standing up for their guy. So they go do that. I I like everything about that play. I like the way the refs evened it up. I like the way that uh, that uh, uh, Mark Scheifele gets taken out of the box like that. I thought for a second, Ken, that they were kicking him out of the game. And I was right. thinking, what is going on here? <laughs> and then, no, it ends up being handled properly. That's a good way to do it. Um, you know what's a good way to do things is to dress the way that we are dressed right now. I have got, uh, once again, a Vittorio Rossi special going on here. I think you do too as well, Ken. No, I got to say, is, love these. from the new collection. No? Uh, uh, no okay. No. Well, I got to say, one of the things that's nice about this is when you head down south like this, it opens up a whole new color palette that you're allowed. Remember, to Remember, you've right? got more. You've got you've got a wider budget than I do, my man. Remember, I'm going to expand the jack up. Don't be I, bringing gonna, that. I've been. I've. I, I'm going to bring the jack Victor company for longer worry. than you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, I've put in my time. You don't have. Be, yes, don't be going down this road. I've put in my. I'm time just saying that I look company. forward to expanding my Jack while. Victor wardrobe. That's all. Listen, people, guy gets on Hockey Night in Canada once and all of a sudden he's calling out the guy who's been doing it since 2014. Jeez, figure it out, Kenny. Um, anyways, Vittorio Rod, I, I love coming down here. It opens up the color palettes. I've had my summer suits sitting down in the basement closet. I've just been waiting to go, so I had this trip circled because I wanted to show off a little bit of the breadth that comes with going down to see Frankie and the boys at Vittorio Rossi. I think this is just an absolute perfect example of it. Uh, hey, if you want to look like Kenny and Rennie, head on down to Vittorio Rossi. Go see the Frankie and the boys um, on Corden Avenue. They'll do you upright, uh, just like they do Kenny and I upright. Um, Ken, let's get into it right now. Let's get to, to the lamplighter. 
Yeah, I, I think it's got to be the, to me, it's got to be the overtime goal for Shifley. It, you know, wasn't a thing of beauty. He had to just put the brakes on and make sure he stuck with it. And just given the, how difficult victories had been to come by for this Winnipeg Jets team, it, it's got to be the Shifley overtime winner. As mentioned, it was not the prettiest goal of the game. And uh, both you and I, Sean, are, are very appreciative of, of when guys get to the blue paint. So, I, I mean, you could give... You know, you got to give Kachuk, uh, you know, bit of a bit of a stick tap for his ability to absolutely win a lot of the box outs in front of the net, uh, whether it was on five, uh, five on five or on the power play. But ultimately, in a game that, given the magnitude, the Jets absolutely had to have, it's got to be the the Shifley winner. Though, I mean, if we're talking about the prettiest play of the game, and I guess in some ways that's what the lamplighter is supposed to be. I apologize. I'm going to have to change my vote here. The lamplighter yes. is the is the working overtime through winner. the problem in real time. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. I've I've had a lot of uh, you know a lot of things happening. I'm, I'm people are wondering who I'm texting. I, I just filed my story. I have a quick correction that I have to make. I'm trying to do two things at once here. Uh, Joe from Winnipeg. There was no golf on the horizon. We were out of practice in in uh, Coral Springs, so I, I spent my day doing that. But I did get to see a little bit of spring training baseball action. So. That replaced the golf game. We're here to work, but uh, you know, it's five touches, Sean. We've been touching, we've been talking so much this late late stretch about how poor the Jets' power play has been because there's been no movement. This wasn't. This was more of an on the rush play. But Sean, all five players touched the puck on the goal by Mark Shifley. Josh Morrissey has the puck behind the net. His stretch pass outlet to Nikolai Ehlers is the first touch. Uh, the second touch is Ehlers drop pass to Kyle Connor. The third pass is a cross ice feed from Kyle Connor to Blake Wheeler. And at a time where I'm sure that half the people at home are yelling, shoot, Blake Wheeler finds Mark Shifley in the slot for a one timer. So for me, when all five players touch the puck and it ends up in the back of the net, you have to absolutely call that the lamplighter of the game, even though we know how important. Uh, the Shifley overtime winner was in terms of the result. The the prettiest goal of the game and the lamplighter brought to you by the good folks at Trans Canada Brewing Company is Shifley's first of two, the power play goal with the pretty passing play. Yeah, I'm not down with that at no? all. No, okay, well, uh, that's not, good, that's good. I'm not, and I'm not, because to me, that and someone put it up there right away, that's a snake charmer goal, right? That, was, that's a goal, that is a goal of mistakes, by that team, this is so. The, these are the goals that disappear when a team starts playing smarter and doesn't make mistakes. Jamal Mayer's pointed it out perfectly there. He said, "Listen, you can get beat with a seam pass on the power play. You can't get beat by two, and that's a two seam passer. That's the whole thing that I always say about the the zigzag of the snake charmer. The puck goes from all the way on one side of the ice over to the other side of the ice, and then all the way back to the middle." Second, the second pass should not have been available in that situation. Um, yes, it looks pretty. I just don't think that that's a goal that's going to get them anywhere against a team that is like sharp. I mean, like you're not going to score that. They hadn't goal been set them, though. They weren't doing. set yet, though. I mean that uh, the defense I, I, didn't have I, a chance to get set. I, I think so. It was I'll good give movement. you my lamp lighter on the night. My lamp lighter on the night is the second one by Vladi Nemesnikov. Oh, why? Because yeah. Vladi Nemesnikov is going and scoring the kind of goals that. 
that people pick up their lunch pail and they go out for drives to the front of the net, shows the patience sure. uh, when he's got both the, the goaltender trying to make the move, he's got a defender closing in on him. These are the kind of goals that you score, just like Matt, Matthew Kachuk's goals are the kind of goals that you're going to score in the playoffs when things get really tough. I love the idea of what Vladimir Nemesnikov has been doing since he got here. Um, I'll say it again, Jamal Mayers, who we talk about, uh, and when we, we talk with him in behind the scenes, Ken, one thing about Jamal Mayers is if you listen to him break down a game, this is a guy who was not that long ago in the NHL, he breaks down the game as good as the vast majority of color guys in the game. And one thing that he said, even coming into this game, Ken, was he just said, I love the way Vladi Nemestikov is just going to the net all the time. He's just being a pain in the butt. He's there all the time. He's doing all the things he should do. That kind of stuff's going to pay off for him. And what happens tonight? Well, he gets two goals tonight because he's doing something that good hockey players and guys who know how to break down the game, like Jamal Mayers, are saying, that's going to last. That is something that is going to continue no matter what happens. This is the kind of offense that the Jets need to be going for. Yes, the other one is pretty. Um, and yes, if you're scoring a pretty goal a game, it's it's not that big a deal. People know my thoughts on this. When the Jets start trying to turn their offense into that and that only, which is the problem with this team, that's what happens is they start getting a taste for the high life and the champagne and the bubbly and all that kind of stuff that comes with all the snake charmer goals. And then that's all they're looking for. Nemesnikov, I thought, kept this team grounded throughout this game and has kept them grounded since they started here. And for me, that's why he's got the lamplighter of the game. You got something to say before we give our boys or excuse me, our folks at uh, TransCanada a shout out, Ken? I would just say this. I mean, we have been talking a lot about the inability for the Jets to move the puck on the power play. So I'm just going to reinforce what I said. I, I agree with everything that you're saying in terms of that goal not being available very often. But, you know, when it when a team is asked to move the puck a little bit better and five people get a touch on a goal, I think it still is is certainly noteworthy. And, yeah, and it's off the rush, though, isn't it? It was off the rush, it's for not sure. The same, it's not, not the same exactly thing as the same thing. up and moving the puck. But they didn't allow their defense to get set up, which is probably why the play was available. When, as you mentioned, it shouldn't have been well, available. Because it's off the rush. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, whatever anyway, it was. That's that's Ken's and my lamplighter uh, of the evening. We'd love to hear yours. And if you do share your lamplighter with us, you are automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious eight pack of lamplighter amber ale. Brought to you by our friends from Transcanada Brewing Company. If you cannot wait for Kenny and Rennie to hand out your uh, Frosty Delicious 8-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. Head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company. You could buy your own or you could buy some of their blueberry beer, some of their great IPAs, and while you're there, you might as well grab some pizza. Again, Ken, so many people are saying to me when they go pick it up, they're getting the pizza. Good life choices (laughs) is what Ken calls them. Good life choices, going and hitting up their pizza and their different kinds of beer. Those are good life choices. Uh, great Oops. place down at one twelve ninety, uh, Kenison and Ken, I've got something, uh, better than that. Let oh, me just sorry, try okay. this. I wanted to give a shout out and say next weekend, a, w- a week from now will be the Kenny and Rennie, our third live event where we will be taping a live showing of the Kenny and Rennie show. If you have not got your tickets, you can do this. You can, uh, Here's one way to get down to buy the tickets. This is for the March 18th show. If you take your phone and if you scan this, that will take you right to where you need to go buy tickets. Come join us. Uh, We would love to see you down there. Ken and I love, love, love 
hanging out in the first two shows with everybody out there just as an opportunity to sit back enjoy the game with people chat with people and the thing about this one is if we want to turn this one into a bit of a longer event being that the game is a matinee and it will be ending just as saturday night is ramping up i know two guys who like to get ramped up kenny's one of them i'm one of them Let's get ramped up. And Ken, if you could share the, uh, uh, if people would rather go to the ticket site by uh, by copying this link, right go ahead here, and yeah. do so. <clears throat> and uh, come on down and see us. Ken and Rennie uh, would love to see you at that event. It's going to be a ton of fun. We absolutely promise. Never mind the fact that your ticket gets you all the pizza you can eat, the best pizza in the entire city of Winnipeg. They've got a big menu. So if you've ever thought, wow, I'd like to make my way through the menu, the pizza menu at TCB, that's an opportunity to do it. The first beer uh, is purchased with the ticket. So come on down there. Come see Kenny and Rennie on March 18th. We, we would love to see you down there. Uh, before we move on, Ken, um, would you like to give us your Johnston Group Got You Covered? Oh, sorry. I got to announce the winner. winner. Sorry. Uh, winner of last week's Frosty Delicious uh, eight pack of lamplighter amber ale is Camo. Last game, last game. So Camo, you are officially on the clock. You got to get uh, direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Give me your full name and give me an email, and I will send you your voucher for a frosty, delicious eight pack of lamplighter amber ale. Brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. Ken, the Johnson Group got you covered. Play of the game. What do you got? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of temptation to give it to Vladislav Nemesnikov for an outstanding outing, but on a night where Connor Hellebuck was pretty busy once again and had to make 44 stops, I loved his poke check on Anthony Duclair, Sean. It looked like right after the Mark Stahl goal, it looked like they were going to tie the game, right? I mean... Sorry, that play was at a different time, but uh, I thought that he made just an excellent play. Duclair was in... No, it was right after. Sorry, that was Duclair was in alone. He goes to the backhand and Hellebuck poke checks him. So for me, I have to say that Hellebuck is the, you know, that play in particular on a night where he had to be, you know, pretty impressive. And it's interesting there. The volume was a lot higher than maybe the quality. And Sean, I'm going to go out on a limb here. We were debating this in the morning. I do think there is a good chance that Connor Hellebuck does play back-to-back. I would have said after two periods where it was looking like it was going to be too high volume that maybe it would have to be Riddick on the back-to-back, but I think I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Hellebuck will play on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who did start Brian Elliott this evening against the Chicago Blackhawks, which means Andre Vasilevsky will be getting the call for the Tampa Bay Lightning against the Winnipeg Jets on Sunday night. Yeah. So I'm expecting Connor Hellebuck to make start number 51 in Tampa. I could be wrong. This is a gut feeling, but I do think the Jets, knowing the you know, importance of this stretch, as long as Hellebuck's feeling good after this game, and I know, in Sean, in your open, you were talking about the adult in the room. I think that today it was a little bit more of... A mirage, the forty or the forty-eight shots. This this didn't seem to me as difficult a game as that Ranger game where he was kind of under siege a little no. bit more. So Agreed. for me, I, I think that Hellebuck will start Sunday, and I appreciate and I like the call to go with him if that's what they end up doing. No doubt. Um, hey, uh, interesting comment made here. I love this one. Emmy says, looks like your headband would match your suit perfectly, Sean. Am I right? I couldn't agree more. So let's th- turn this into a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show.
wanted to slip a little music in there, Kenny, is uh, before we give our shout out to the Kenny and Rennie OGs at the Johnson Group for the Got You Covered play. I think you got picked a good one there, but I do think that uh, I think it's Remo who's in the chat group there and said he's the Got You Covered player of the game is the refs calling the five minute major so they can go check it and make sure they got it right. I think that is a quality one. Uh, so many to choose us. from. For uh, for the uh, Johnston Group Got You Covered play of the game, you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnston Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live, and the plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses, and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues. And Teladoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Thank you so much to the Johnson Group, the Kenny and Rennie OGs who've been there since the very beginning. You got something to say, Ken? Yeah, sorry. I think we just it's important that we give the injury update uh, from Rick Bonus. He's not aware of the severity, but he said it was very, very doubtful that either of Josh Morrissey or Adam Lowry will play on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know some folks were asking in the chat uh, what the update was. That's what Rick Bonus had to say. So it's obviously an uphill battle for the Jets already without Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cole Perfetti. They, they're likely to be without Morrissey, who left the game initially late in the second period. I believe it was just over three minutes to go. Sean, you had a better look at the replay than I did. It just looked like Josh was reaching forward to the puck and he kind of grabbed his left hip. But Adam Lowry, I didn't see. Did you see anything specific with Lowry? With His last shift was just over five minutes to go. I know he was laboring on the bench, but I didn't really see anything on the ice that would lead me to believe what happened in terms of his lower body issue. But those are two big blows for the Jets already Huge. facing a bit of an uphill battle against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday. But that's the update on that front. And one other thing, too, I think that Vladislav Nemestikov has been excellent. So has Nino Niederreiter. The Jets already have Niederreiter under contract for next season. For me, I've had Nemestikov on my free agency lists for the Jets before. I think that he's a guy that would, would warrant an extension, especially given the uncertainty at the center position moving forward. I think this is a guy that oh my goodness, you don't necessarily need him to play second-line center, but he could play there in a pinch if you needed him to. And I just think that this guy's been a really feisty player, really smart, and has really fit in well. And he plays with a bit of an edge that the Jets don't have a lot of. So I think that they should be... This is a Drew Stafford situation. They should be making a full-court press to be keeping him around beyond the season. Oh, man, I was just thinking to myself, I'm fairly certain that we're going to be seeing Vladi Nemesnikov in a Jets jersey for years to come. It's kind of a perfect fit. He brings a lot of the stuff that the Winnipeg Jets have needed for a, lot, a long time to the team. But also, this is a guy who's bounced around in his career and has been looking for a home. The idea that he could find a place that is willing to commit and lock him down long term, I think would be extremely attractive to him. And one of the reasons Winnipeg would be, uh, I think, top of the list for his uh, services. Hey, Kenny, one of the things I love about the K&R podcast is the music. Love your entry music. Love mine. I always like to balance them in my head. What do I like more? I We'd like to ask you people what you, what you like more. Ken's, mine. And if we're going to be asking that kind of stuff maybe we should be throwing in the music of our guest who's popping into the show right now not only does it work because he's popping into the show to add in but it works because his his music is called snowstorm 
I hear that's what you're all going through back home. Time to bring Scotty Billick in the show. Scotty, hopefully it's not long until Adam Lowry is back moving in like he is in that video. That would be good to see. Uh, Scotty, let's let's pick up uh, where uh, Kenny was leaving off there with Vladdy Nemesnikov. Uh, jump in here. Give me your idea of what you think he's doing that he fits in so well with the team. And maybe just take another revisionist look at this. Uh, Kevin Chevaldeoff took a beating for him being the lone trade deadline acquisition on the last day of trade deadline. Uh, I wonder if he's got people eating crow. I don't know if he has people eating crow because I think people are just expecting more out of the day, not necessarily. Like, I think Vladimir Mestikov would have been a great, well, he is a great in addition, but people are hoping for that grand slam and not just kind of the, you know, you know extra base hit or whatever, right? But... Um, what he's bringing to the team right now, in my opinion, is he's doing what this team doesn't have a lot of, and that's same with Neo Niederreiter, going to the front of the net. I, I don't know how many times we've talked about this over the past few years where it's just like this team has always had people, but they just wouldn't go to the front of the net. Where does he pick up his goals today? I mean, like, you know, part of the reason why, which made him, he's been effective so far is that. He, he likes to be there. He's not a big guy. He's not, you know, if you we've all talked to him now in person, seen him in person, he's not a huge dude, but he goes there. He's smart. Um, he he goes into the position, I mean, even on that, on the six on five goal, or I guess it was, was it six on four at that point? Whatever it was. Um, you know, he's Six just, on he's, five, yeah. Six on five, yeah. He's just, he's just around the front of the net and he's, he's smart, you know, but in, 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 a, in a bit of a stealthy way, and, and, and I like how he moves about in the front of that. He takes some hits, but he kind of moves off of them a little bit. Like, he, he's good at kind of absorbing, you know, that sort of thing. But he's not, not afraid of, of, of mixing it up in front of the net. That's the part that I like about his game. Like, I think that's what, what it was missing out of Winnipeg's game. And he's shown that since he's got here, that he has no no fear of doing that. And, 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 and you know, I, I was listening to you guys. I mean, you know, the whole extension thing and all that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he could be, I mean, he's 30, so he's not a 24-year-old, you know, budding kind of prospect, not prospect, but like player like PLD is, but um, he's serviceable uh, for sure on this team, and I think he's doing more than just holding his own, playing in that role with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois out. So, yeah, no, I, I think so. And, yeah, you know, just going back to the other part of your question, I, you know, I, I, I don't think... I, I don't think people should have been disappointed that they got Vladimir Nemestikov, but I, I understand like that's the way it goes when it's an underwhelming trade deadline. But he was—I think we all said it at the time—like he was a good pickup, right? Like it was—it was a you know it was a smart pickup. It it, it, it was going to help this team's bottom six, um, but now it's helped the team's top six, right? Or the middle six, I guess. And it's really kind of how, especially with Pierre Dubois, it, it's kind of allowed him to kind of slot in there and and, and do it. So. Um, I don't know if it's revisionist history. I mean, I think it was a good move at the time. I think, you know, we all kind of said that. 
it just wasn't the day that people expected. So I think that's where the disappointment sort of comes from. I don't know if it's of the player, but I think he's doing more than I think a lot of people probably expected of him to. Uh, was he got three goals now and and five points in four games since joining the Jets? Something like that. I mean, that's what more could you ask for? That's better, you know. That's better production than you know Nina Riders had. So, um, yeah, that's, he's he's been really good, and I think both their players have been good. Both the additions have been good. Um, on certain nights, they've been the best players on the ice for the Jets. Um, that's also, I mean, that's one of those double-edged swords. But that's not always a good thing to say that. Um, but you know, they, they've played well, and 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 you know, Nemestikov came out tonight. I think he doesn't like Florida from his days in Tampa, and uh, you know, he came out and and uh, yeah, made them pay, right? So, yeah. Ken, I I wanted to run this idea past you, uh, or I'll just leave it wide open. What do you think should happen with Vladdy Nemestikov when Pierre Luc Dubois comes back to the lineup? Well, I mean, it's going to depend on Adam Lowry's injury for one, but I think he's definitely... One situation would be to play him on the checking line with Adam Lowry, but I think that there's a case to be made to leave Nemesnikov in the top six. We saw one shift with Blake Wheeler with Adam Lowry today. I would say that that is a situation and a scenario that could be investigated further. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people are, you know, dumping on Blake Wheeler and uh, it's, you know, he had an assist on, on the, one of the Nemestikov goals because he won a draw. You know, we talked about this before. Nemestikov hasn't been great in the circle, especially on his weak side. So Wheeler won a, won a draw, got himself an assist on the Nikolai Ehlers shot. I thought Ehlers was great today. I, I think that you could consider Nemestikov in the top six in that scenario where Dubois is with Ehlers on the other side, but mm-hmm. you know, it's something that you would consider. I, I think he's probably more likely to end up with Adam Lowry, but uh, I think that that would be something in terms of the versatility. Uh, that would be something to consider, but it depends. I mean, if the Jets want to use Lowry as completely as a shutdown line against the opposition's best, then... And get him on the top they, power play. But yeah, anyways. How come? To do, because because to do I the like net front job? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but Nino is kind of going to be doing that. So, but I mean, it's yeah. it, it's if yeah, in the absence of Dubois, maybe. But I I don't know. I mean, the power play just got two goals today, right? They hadn't had two goals in quite a long time. I'm guessing they weren't going to make a lot of lot of changes. But I, I think that we we saw him on the second power play at one point, uh, not this game, maybe, but previously. <laughs> so, Sean, I know. I mean, that, is that what you were hinting at, or no? Is that where you you were wondering about, or no? Well, here's what I take away from this situation. Here, first, I wanted to touch on a couple of things while we're while they're fresh right here. Winnipeg Sports Talk says the moves he made were good. My only disappointment was that there weren't more of yeah, them. Russ Lowen says people just wanted another D. No crow necessary. This is why I suggest revisionist history. I think people wanted grand slams. Like I think people were expecting and wanted to get the very top guys off of the market, right? I don't think that people were looking at this and when Vladimir Nemestikov came, like people were saying, that's it. And I don't think they were just saying, that's it. We didn't get another defenseman as well. I do think this is another situation where people look, took a look at the additions made by Kevin Dayoff and didn't really think that they'd amount to much. I, the one credit I'll give Kevin Dayoff, uh in, in this entire situation is, when he does go look for value picks, when he does go 
diving in the bargain bins, he usually comes out with something that is very useful. Um, yeah. And so, agreed. So I, 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 I think people now are soft peddling this and saying, "Oh yeah, I was okay with this. I was okay with this. I just wanted a defenseman." That's not what I was hearing at the time that this happened. I was hearing people absolutely, completely angry that they didn't get the very top guys uh, off the off the market. That's what people were expecting. People were expecting big swings. And I think what Kevin Chevaldeoff has showed here is that you can you can uh, correct things with, you know, small swings or doubles or singles or bunts or however it goes. I think he's doing a good job of this. Now, do I think, because people are sitting here saying that I'm turning around and I'm saying, well, let's reward uh, Kevin Chevalier off. Everything's great here. Do I think that he's built a Stanley Cup roster at the end of the trade deadline? No, I don't think that's happened. But I'm not sure that taking massive big swings was going to get them there anyway. And I don't know how much more you would have had to put out the window for those massive swings. Um, and how, how much better the team would have been had they made those. Uh, that's the just first one point quick that one. I wanted to yeah, respond Sorry, to. Sorry, yes, I mean, the, the, the counter would be... In a- I agree with that both of those people were good additions, but the team that they're battling with in the central division made four additions. And one of the guys they brought in is John Klingberg, who's playing on their third pairing. So I think that that would have been an example where it it isn't the grand slam of a Jacob Chikrin, but that must've been something that either the jets considered, or maybe they weren't thinking that it was a fit because bonus had him in Dallas and, and maybe things didn't end as smoothly on that front either. Cause there were a couple of healthy scratches, one for missing a meeting and one other one, but I think they probably could have added one more defenseman still, but the, the forwards he added were always guys that we thought were smart pickups, even though people said, oh, Nemeskov has six goals. Why not get JVR? Well, this is why they didn't get JVR, because Nemesnikov is a good complementary player. Yeah, that can way score. cheaper. Yeah, and, yeah, and that cheaper. can score. Yeah. I agree. Well, exactly, yeah. but tell me that there weren't people upset out there that they didn't pick up Max Domi instead or something like that. Like, people took a look at this, and, like, I, I, I'm not... I'm not letting people have a pass on this. People thought that it was like a complete and total failure. Now everyone's saying, well, no, I always thought it was a good pickup. I don't think that that was the case. I think people were disappointed. Oh, some people, people thought Nemestikov couldn't score. I mean, that's what they thought. Well, and, and people looked and they saw a player that's bounced around the league and hasn't been able to f- find a hole. Yeah, in he only had six put it this way. Put it, put it this way. Someone had said the, this earlier on. I don't think anyone, including us, saw what he's done in the last number of games happening. And in that vein, you have to give Kevin Cheveldayoff credit for his ability to dive into the bargain bin and come out with fines fairly consistently that show well on this team. That said, I mean, Zach Sanford didn't turn into that last year. It's not like he's batting a thousand percent. He's doing a pretty good job of it, though, starting way back with the with the Kevin Cheveldayoff. OG in uh, in Paul Stastny, no doubt. Anyways, moving on uh, to the question of what they should do with him. Um, this is one of these things that I come back. I love the idea of the Jets trying to create a top nine in scoring. And the one thing that I'll say is that second line looked better tonight than it has in a long time, right? The the idea of, and Rick Bonus has come out and said, whatever it is about Nick Ehlers, it's not working with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Well, whatever it is about Vladimir Nemesnikov, it's working with Nick Ehlers. So, okay, if you don't want to cut uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois' ice time down to the degree that you know you put him as the third-line center or something like that, I still think you need to find a way to try and, you know how Bones likes pairings, to find that, 
Ehlers and Nemesnikov pairing, a guy who can rip around the, the ice and a guy who can get to the front of the net, a guy who can put the puck on net when the other guy is getting there. I, I like the idea of trying to get creative and find something here. Um, we could dive into that, and I don't think we want to do it right now. It's something we could do in the future on how the makeup of that top nine would be. But I think that if you're Rick Bonus and if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you need to explore the idea of the found money that you have here, what's working, and not try to shoehorn or fit in what you think should have worked before this by going back to you know the same old lines that they've got to in the past. This, to me, shows a little bit of forced creativity that exists because Dubois out of the lineup has allowed the Jets to find something. I don't think Rick Bonus ever would have gone down this road and tried this. And he's found something now. They have to be able to go with the flow in a situation like this and say right now, Vladdy Nemesnikov is making stuff happen offensively. We can't have Pierre-Luc Dubois come back and just take and bury him and cut down his minutes and throw him on the wing or something like that in a situation that doesn't work as well as what's happening here. This has to be explored in my mind. Scott, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, but I, I just, you know, I, I just don't know how they're not going to put Pierre Dubois back where he was, right? I mean, that's just that's just how it works. But I, I just think that Vlad, I, I, I think the way that Ehlers works, it, it's, I don't know. I, I, like, I don't know how to explain with Nikolai Ehlers, but it, it always seems like he plays better when the players on his line aren't necessary like equal in terms of skill and all that like if he can run the line and drive the line and doesn't have to necessarily worry about trying to um i'm not saying he has to appease other players but like you know if you have like when he was playing with mark shifley or kyle connor like everybody on that line wants to do the same thing and that's score goals but i think nikolai Ehlers with you know with nemestikov at times even with with Pierre Tubal, he's like allowed a little bit more to be creative, I think. And like, I think with that, with Dubois, I think it just comes, you know, from their, their time together before, but I, I don't know. It, it, it's a weird one. Like, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, how they don't try and shoot ornament. Like, I think one of the things with, with Nikolai Ehlers is they've always tried to kind of shoehorn him in because I'm not entirely sure he's always necessarily fit in perfectly on this team and and i'm not saying that like he's not a good enough player or anything like that he's just a he's a he plays a different style of game than a lot of these guys play it's very i don't know european uh, like it's almost like east a west east yeah like it, it's more east west than it is yeah north south but it, it's a certain type of east west game that that, that like it, it's very good in the nhl but i think there it just it kind of frustrates some of the other players that he plays with at times and i don't think this is any I, I don't think this is any fault of, of Nikolai Ehlers. I'm I just not sure they've ever really gotten a perfect line down with Ehlers on it. I, and maybe you guys can think of one that, that really worked and he was really going. In. But but I always thought, again, when he played with Paul Stasny, like he was just a perfect complement to him because of, because of, he wasn't, like he, he was willing to work with the way that, that Nikolai Ehlers wanted to play. And so he complimented Ehlers in the way that he played the game. And there wasn't always this sort of, I don't even want to call it a power struggle, but just like a, you know, a, maybe an even a natural kind of tension between, you know, different types of skilled players kind of playing together. I think this is why, you know, sometimes you see in like all-star games or, you know, big name teams, they don't always get along that well together that you can't always find that chemistry because 
everybody kind of wants the same thing. So I think with Nemestikov and with Ehlers and, and a guy, you know, like before with Stasny, it was those guys were just willing to work with his strengths and adapt their game to his strengths. And yeah, I mean, that that's sort of where I see it. I, I don't know what you think, Kenny, but... Uh, yeah, I just think that Ehlers has always been in a situation, even when he played with Line, they were best buddies, but there were too many times when he would defer, right? I mean, right. they were and passing yeah. to He would look too often to Line because of his ability to shoot. So when he has a shooting mentality, like today, when he plays with Wheeler and Nemesnikov, who are more pass-first players, right. he can shine, he right? He job, gets going right? on the... F- yeah. Yeah, I think that that's... Like, and Dubois, that's- is more of a, Dubois is more of a shooter than a real playmaker, so... There are times when Shifley and, and Ehlers can be dynamic, but they also both want to be the guy with the puck on their stick a lot in terms right. of entries and, and, and attacking and all of those things. So it, it can make it a little bit of a challenge in terms of that front. So, Sean, to your point, it looks like Nemesnikov is a guy that you know thinks similarly to Ehlers and he's willing to do some of the dirty work. So I think that they can, you know, be a pairing that that can go for a while and you know whether that's with Dubois or Wheeler that remains to be seen but I think it's certainly worthwhile but anyways I, I should yeah. probably hit the highway here Sean I think in a, in a minute Sounds I'm going to turn it over Pop to Scotty up. here but for that we'll uh, give our if you if the folks in the if you're in the realty market folks if you're looking to buy looking to sell looking to see what that house on the end of the street is worth, or maybe you're looking for another community to move into, contact our main man, Lou Ferlin at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. You could reach him at 204-791-9971 or on his cell, 204, or sorry, at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. And for all of his listings, you can contact Lou at www.louferlin.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this show, for which we are eternally grateful. Love, sweet Lou. Travel safe, Kenny. We'll see you later, bud. Yeah, thanks. No, uh, no enjoy the storms tonight. So, yeah, enjoy the board of snow. governors <laughs> and uh, keep the joy level high. And we will talk to you tomorrow night, uh, my friends. Scotty, thanks for sailing the yep. ship. Steering the ship uh, into the evening. I'm just rolling. All right, get it going. Get out of here. Get out of here. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought I saw a funny comment in there from T. Will. I'm not going to give him a shovel for it, but he had a hilarious comment where he said everyone's goal in life should be to find someone who they love as much as this chat uh, loves sweet Lou. No doubt. Um, There was also an interesting comment in here. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Paul Adept says, any idea when KFC will show up to play a game? This one is interesting because um, he's on a four-game point streak right now. Three assists Um, today. (laughs) But there's there's this feeling out there that he's not playing well. What what are we seeing um, in that the – the eye test for a lot of Jets fans isn't necessarily matching up to, at the very least, Scotty, the stat sheet. I think he's just frustrated. I, I think you see what I think you saw it in the scrum tonight when he was, you know, after Shifley and, and the Forsling thing happened. He's in the, there. The slash, and, the slash on Ekblad. Uh, yeah, yeah, the slash on yeah. Ekblad. Like, I, like I saw, it, and you know, I, I just think he's 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 mad, right? Like, I, I think he's he's upset about how the team's playing. He's upset that he hasn't really been a part of, uh, you know, turning it around, and and he's playing a different game, right? Like I, I don't think he's playing 
any less as hard as he is, but I think it, you know, it's it, it's in between his head a little bit too, uh, uh, you know, what's going on. But like you said, I mean, it's not that he's not producing; he's just he's not scoring nearly fifty goals this year, and I think that's also a part of it too. But I think for him, I mean, he's missed some chances. He hasn't had a goal. I don't know how long it's been now. Well, he said he's had a goal, but it hasn't been. It hasn't come in the same way this year for him. But I mean, you know, he played 20 minutes tonight. He had another three shots. He led the team with shots in the last game. I believe he tried Adam Lowry uh, in the loss there, and he had three assists tonight and sets up the uh, the overtime winner. So, but you know, I think for Connor, I think you heard it after too. Like I, I after the last game when they asked him about the power play. Um, back here in Winnipeg, and and he's like, you know, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Some people, I I don't know how you took that, Sean. I mean, the, the one thing for me, I, I thought that was interesting comment. Other that are going to change, or he was just frustrated. Like I think for for him, for Kyle Connor, whose bread and butter at times has come on the power play, he hasn't really been getting it done there. And so when that power play is not scoring, I think he takes that a lot on himself. We just don't really see it because he's so quiet. Right, but I think he internalizes a lot of things and takes a lot of things, and yeah, I don't know. I, I just think he's he, he's playing a lot more frustrated these days, and and I think we're seeing it in some of the penalties he's taking and and that sort of thing. I mean, I think he's trying to. I don't even know if it's like overcompensating for not scoring by maybe being a little more physical or whatever. But I mean, I think he's just. I think he's trying to find his game, but really, I think he's just trying to find the back of the net, and it hasn't come as easy to him this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're just so used to seeing him th- and that one timer, and it's just one of those things right. that, like, it, it stands out, right? Like when he scores goals, usually there's such no doubters in the back of the net, and his shot is so right. impressive that it stands out, and you start thinking of him and defining him as that player. Like I always think of the last full year that Line was here, he went out and became a far more complete player, and then people talked about how bad he was in that year. And if you take a look at his numbers, his numbers weren't down. They weren't down. He just wasn't scoring as much. And so people so much came to identify that Patrick Laine was the guy who lets go of that one-time bomb and it's off the post and in or in the back of the net. So when he stops doing that, people stop seeing the player because all they are is looking for that in the player. I think Kyle Connor has become a much more rounded player. Um, and that's one of the reasons we don't see these things tonight. I think Kyle Connor, one of the things that he's done in the transfer of his game over the last little while is I think early in his career, he very much lived off of the skills of Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I think what he's done is he finds a way, no matter what line he's on, like there's a reason he's this team's leading point producer. There's a reason he is so hard to keep off the score sheet. I think the longest he's been kept off the score sheet is three straight games this year. Other than that, this is a guy who's producing all the time. And yet he's been a guy who's kind of bounced around the lineup, right? Like we were thinking of him and defined him as Pierre-Luc Dubois' new line mate earlier on this year, except here he is playing alongside Nino Niederreiter and, and Mark Shifley. Um, And, you know, we see him kind of all over the place. I think, that he's at the stage in his career where he knows how to play off the different line mates that he has and his game changes depending on the line mates that he has. That's hockey IQ right there. That's a guy who's saying, you know what this team or, or this line is going to succeed better if I play this way. And I think the sacrifice that he's made is he's not the guy just finding quiet ice waiting for the one timer anymore. 
he does that and it's yeah. he still gets off he's not scoring as much and i do wonder scott if the fact that he's not relying so much on that and doing it as much has messed with his rhythm and that's why he's not hitting the back of the net as much yeah i'll say this he's still having an impact so when i see people um making the comments about like where's the disappearing act and you will see a lot of people talking about him you know not be having his best hockey at this time I always say this, Scott, I think I've told you this story when I was, uh, when I was playing senior hockey, um, we were in the provincials against, uh, Fox Warren and yeah, Pat yeah. Bloom was on the other <laughs> side of the ice and we went out, uh, and we played a game against them. And I think we lost like eight, six or something like that. And we came off and everyone was thinking, well, at least we kept Pat Falloon off the score sheet. And then we looked at the score sheet and he had six points, right? He's one of those guys. <laughs> That just goes out and you're not even noticing him doing it because he's the guy who throws it to the other side. Everyone's watching him and all of a sudden he throws it across the ice and suddenly there's a dangerous situation. Everyone remembers the dangerous situation. They don't remember the guy who lured everybody in and then floated the puck into the dangerous situation. I think there's a lot of that going on with Kyle Connor right now. Um, one thing we should do before we shut this down here, Scotty, um, someone talked about it, uh, asked what, I think it was waiters, asked what the Jets playoff chances were. Um, where do you think that's at? Cause I definitely have to say something about, uh, where I was thinking with this team. <laughs> uh, like you want to know the math or you want to know where I think it is? Cause I, I want to know, I know is... where you think they are right now. <laughs> I, I'm still not on board yet. Like I, I sort of here, hold on. I think they make the playoffs because six points is really difficult to make up at this time of the year and it's running out of time, but, but I think it's very close. And and maybe 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 they don't um, maybe they don't squeak in. I think that what we saw tonight is a game that nine times out of ten this team loses. Um, and so they come into this game. And I know I'm kind of crapping on the, the the winning feeling and all that, but this was a tough game tonight. They got bailed out. I think 100 percent by their goaltender. Um, we don't have to get into the MVP vote uh, debate tonight, Shawnee, but. Uh, as we did during the game a little bit there. But um, but I think this was a game, you know, what, what impressed me about tonight's game was the Jets won out and won the game for Connor Hellbuck for the first time in a long time that I can remember. I mean, maybe you could go back to the 7-5 against, um, against Edmonton the other night. But aside from that game, um, I no, I think David Rick was in goal for that game, wasn't he? Uh, I could be wrong. Either that or Hellbuck. Which game? In that game. The Edmonton Which game, game they won seven five. What, did Hellbuck yeah, he ended up in there. He ended up in the in the third period. He got pulled. Uh, he got pulled. Yeah, it was a bit of a, yeah. But anyway, so I, I really have a tough time with tonight's game because I think it's kind of a bit of a uh, what do you call it? It's like a false uh, fool's gold. Or, yeah, something like that, right? Like this is it's a good game, and maybe it helps the team feel better. But you know, and and you know, they got five goals. They've been starting to score again. I mean, the last game notwithstanding or two games ago against San Jose, notwithstanding. But it, it, it's you, you can't get caved in like that for a large swath of that game and expect to hold on against some of the better teams in this league. And so when you go in, you know, case in point, you go in tomorrow night uh, to play Tampa, and yes, Tampa's coming off the back-to-back, but Tampa's, Tampa's ability to score, and I understand that Stephen Stamkos is probably out tomorrow night based on his injury tonight. But um, like I just don't know if you can you can deal with that the way that they played. Like 
tonight's game was, you know, you, it, they've done this for so many years, right? Um, <laughs> they've done that so many years, but they just leaned on Connor and, and over and over again. And I'm just not sure if this team can overcome the bad habits that have crept back into their game because I still think they were there tonight. I also think they used, you know, their incredible ability in their top six to score and Domestikov and all that to to win. But like, I mean, again, that game could have been over late in that third period because they they definitely got they definitely got caved in, in that one. And so, I, yeah, I have a tough time. Like, I think they they can make the playoffs, um, but I can easily see the same way where they don't make the playoffs because Calgary, for whatever reason, um, and, and Calgary lost last night, which they never should have. Um, so that's part of the problem too, but, you know, I, I do think that the Jets, I mean, if they, if they don't win tomorrow, do they beat Carolina? Do they beat Boston? Like they could also just lose three straight here and Calgary could win their next two. I think they play with Arizona and, and Anaheim again, or Anaheim or somebody like that, Anaheim or Arizona or Chicago, one of these teams. Um, and you know, it could be right back within two points again. So it's a tough one. I, I, I'm, I pick a side. Exactly. I don't know. Like, I, it, it's hard to say. I just, I think this team's inability to kind of like get back to their structure on a consistent basis, it could lead to their downfall. Yeah, I, I don't agree with this point that Waiters is saying here. Calgary lost because it's the NHL. Calgary, Calgary's lost a lot of times this year then yeah. because it's the NHL. I mean, see, teams separate themselves. Uh, at separate points and even even a team like the you know the one that you watched tonight in the Florida Panthers is a team that has had a lot of its problems this year but all of a sudden heading into this game they'd won four of their last five they'd won three right. straight they found a way to generate a point here tonight which gets them within three points of the last playoff spot in the east um with a game in hand against the New York Islanders that's the kind of things that you have to do you can't be going out and failing to generate more than right. one goal against a, a, a goaltender playing his first game ever in the NHL for the Arizona Coyotes. Like that, th this is, this is not, you don't just say that's the NHL. If there's a situation that puts a team in a good spot to win a game, that's it for the Calgary Flames. And they fail to, they fail to get over the hump in that game. Um, it's yeah. because of that. I love that line in, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, dodgeball, the, the, the oh. dodgeball movie <laughs> where the one, the character, bad guy's character is like, you made me bleed my own yeah, blood. blood. Nobody <laughs> does that. Yeah, yeah. I love that line because I felt like I made myself bleed my own blood last show because it was the first time I came on here and I, I had, public doubt. I had public <laughs> doubt that the Winnipeg jets were going to make the playoffs. We're going to make the playoffs oh. and I, Again, to your point, like six points statistically is really, hard really hard. It's hard to overcome that. And I did think that because they'd close the gap to four and because the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames play one more time, uh, there would be an expectation that, but that, that that would happen. But listen, I've been saying this about the Nashville Predators. If you take a look at the Nashville <laughs> Predators roster and you, and you recognize – you know, more than five players on that team. Good for you because that is a no-name roster that sold at the trade deadline 
And sure, they may be doing okay now, but I liken it to those cartoons where the cartoon is running and he runs right off the edge of the cliff and he keeps running in <laughs> keeps the running. air and yeah. keeps running <laughs> he until he looks down and sees that there's, and then that's when he drops. Yeah. Well, that's where, that's what the national predators are doing right now. They're running right. and then they're going to take a look at their roster and realize we shouldn't be winning these games and then they're going to drop. That's what's going to happen. I've got no concern over them. And while I no. still have serious doubts, you made a lot of good points about the Winnipeg Jets there. I've got doubts about the Winnipeg Jets and where their game is. I just have zero faith whatsoever in the Calgary Flames in figuring this out down to the the end here. Now, to finish on what you were talking about, this, once again, is a game. The Jets caught a team that was on back-to-back, went into overtime, and got caved in, especially down the stretch in the third, where the team that played last night should be at a gross disadvantage in that situation. The Jets should have been pushing the pace for most of that game. They should have hit. It's understandable if Florida came out in the first period and kind of spent everything they had. So that first period is understandable. But after that, the Winnipeg Jets at some point have to take over that game. This was a -a rope-a-dope game. This was them, you know, being opportunistic on their goals. This was them relying on really great goaltending by a guy who's oh so close to being the Jets MVP, but not quite there. Um, (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I I had to take the shot. (laughs) This is is not the blueprint. Once again, this isn't the blueprint. At this stage, points are all that matters, so so that's okay. But this is not a game I take a look at it and think, okay, the Jets went out and had were the better team against San Jose. They built. Then they went out the next game against a much better team in Minnesota, who too were coming off of uh, playing the night before and going into overtime. They built on that, and now they built even further. Despite the fact that the Jets win this game, it almost, in terms of playing the like game the right way, back. seems like a step back. Yeah, yeah. I think you're 100 percent right there, Scotty. Uh, and like, that's I don't, a great I don't point. Mean, yeah, like I don't mean to be a downer here, but like. <clears throat> Because, I mean, people just wanted to win from this team because this was just their, what, third win in the last 12 games. Like, it's been a bit of a famine around, you know, these parts to get wins. But you look at how this team has played so far in this last 12 games, and you look how they won tonight, they would have rather – well, I don't – they wouldn't rather – but you, you you win this game in it, earlier in the season, and Rick Bonus is tearing a strip off this team, Right. You win it now when you look at what Rick Bonus said tonight, and he's like, you know, you know, we, we'll take points anyway, we'll get them. I mean, I, I think – I don't know what that means, right? Like, I mean, it, does that scream to you that maybe they're just not leaning too much on the structure right now? Like, is it the team at such a fragile point right now that they, they can't take that at the moment? Like, you yeah. don't want to Daryl Sutter this team at the moment, right? Like, you don't want to still – like it's a, oh, it's a weird sure. thing, right? Like I think this team is in a state where it has been weakened a little bit by this losing stretch mentally, and and you just can't go in and do that. And so now you got to just hope that you know something. But they didn't win the right way tonight, you know. And I think at the end of the day, that's that's the problem with the Jets, right? They can't seem to win a lot of games the right way. They were doing it earlier in the season, you know, full marks to them. But now when you're seeing a lot of other teams, like the Florida Panthers lost the right way tonight. You know, they lost it, but yeah. they got a point. They got a point in, in a desperate game for them on a back-to-back. You know, maybe prove me wrong, but what's going to happen tomorrow in Tampa if the this was a tough game for the Chets tonight, right? This was a tough game. They had to give a lot of it. 
It could be a bloodbath tomorrow. And that's what separates even the Florida Panthers from the Winnipeg Jets right now is I don't know if they have it in the tank to go out tomorrow night and battle for at least a point, right? And and so yeah. and I, I don't know. Like that's I I again I don't want to because I know you know fans are just as not I don't want to say sensitive, but you know, fans have wanted this team to win. They want to see this team in the playoffs. Um and you know, I, I think you know selfishly we all do because we all want to go to the playoffs and and, and do that, but it, it's it's it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because I think I do I do think that they get smoked tomorrow. I do. I mean, again, prove me wrong. But I mean, ah, I don't know if I'm a downer anytime a chance I get. But okay, I mean, whatever. I I don't think that. But I mean, I just I think that you know this team needs to prove still people wrong, or in, in a sense that they need to go and out and do it. But it does. And that's the thing. It does matter if they win the right way because I mean, it catches up to you in the playoffs, right? I mean, so it might be great to get the playoffs, but if you lose in five in the first round, I still think we're talking about the same problems at the end of the year that this team has. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, this team again. I don't think anybody in that room will sit there honestly tomorrow and say, "Hey, we're happy with the way that we won." Um, tonight because, yeah. uh, you know, I just, I, I didn't, I, I don't think they played the game. I think, you know, Dylan DeMello kind of said it best after the game. Like there, there was no doubt about it that they got caved in in large swaths of that game. And, uh, you know, that, that's just not a recipe to win a Stanley cup. So yeah. Well, and, and, and and what's not a recipe to win a Stanley cup is, is not finding consistency. And the thing that I would say is if you don't have consistency, you don't have an identity. Like if you take a look at the version of the jets that you think could do damage in the playoffs, what do they look like? The only one I can see Scott is the early season version of the jets that, would come out and play what we named and tagged right off the bat as the Rick bonus blueprint. I, I can't remember yeah. the last time I've seen something like that. Um, Sorry. But, yeah. but it's been a while, but this wasn't it. This wasn't it. No. Um, and so again, you know, there's people who are sitting there and you'll hear this every single time. And these people have been saying two points is two points. It's good. Move on. They've been saying it for five years now and their theory is not, bearing out when it comes to the playoffs um but i'll say this you know you get two points in the room maybe you get a good feeling out of that what we're looking for going forward is the winnipeg jets building on it but i think we know that a game like tonight uh is is not necessary well not necessarily it is not the blueprint that is going to get you success down the stretch no doubt at all uh it is time to uh Shed a light on these, uh, put a spotlight on the comments and choose a standout for the home field dig deeper award today. That award is going to go to Comet who says the D looked scrambly after losing 44. This is an important point. I don't know that we brought it up in the broadcast, but that final push I thought where the Jets were kind of getting caved in down the stretch I thought it had a lot to do with the Florida Panthers uh just pushing to win that game and kind of smelling you know tasting blood in the water that said uh I think there's something to the idea of losing Josh Morrissey for an extended period of time what that's going to look like if we think that the Jets um can be problematic defensively or have been problematic defensively down the stretch here. Uh, If that's the case, and we'll just say it right now and leave it at this, if that's the case, 
if Josh Morrissey is gone for a significant amount of time or even a little bit of time, it could expose some very, very ugly things in this team down the stretch here. So great job, comment, uh, comment. I appreciate the comment. Uh, you just, or sorry, just like comment, Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for you and for your company. Find out how at myhomefield.ca and comment. You know what you got to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Give me your full name and give me your email, and I will send you your very own home field slash Kenny and Rennie trunk shovel. It's awesome. It really is. It's something to be proud out, proud about. Something <laughs> to hang up on the mantle. Do your cool thing. Uh, hey, Scotty, uh, uh, thank you so much for jo- jo- being a good sport, jumping in here tonight. I love John with you back and forth over the Hellebuck uh, Morrissey debate. It's a ton Lots of fun. Of time for that. And I love going back and forth <laughs> with you on the show too, as well. You always take the show from here and you take it up to there. Uh, and we appreciate you for that. Same with you, chat room. You're always on it. And uh, before I go, as I always end this, I want to say if you appreciate the conversations happening in these spaces, please, please appreciate our sponsors who fight to keep this happening in these spaces. For us, that's Vittorio Rossi, Transcanner Brewing Company, the Johnson Group, Lou Ferlin, and Homefield. Thank you so much to them. Thank you to you, Scotty. We will talk to everybody tomorrow after the Jets take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Bye-bye. The Kenny and Rennie Show is brought to you by Homefield, Cambrian Credit Union, Lou Ferlin, TransCanada Brewing, Vittorio Rossi, and Johnston Group.